Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Score North knows it's been a long winter. Time to dream about the warm weather ahead at the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Returning to the Minneapolis Convention Center, February 24th through the 26th. For a very limited time, you can get tickets for half price. Visit scorenorth.com right now and use the keyword golfer to save 50% on admission. Your admission ticket also gets you 14 rounds of free golf. Visit scorenorth.com keyword golfer to get this limited deal. See you at the show. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, it's good. You know, it just uh, brings a, uh, you know, a pace to the game. Uh, gets off it early, makes, you know, makes all the right plays, competes his, his butt off on defense. You know, it's good to see him back out there, you know. Um, you know we, we've certainly missed him, you know, but guys have done a great job in his absence as well, so. You think he's talking about LeBron or Carl Anthony Towns being out, right? Finally going to get him back. No, just talking about one of the other most impactful players in the NBA, Jordan McLaughlin. Did you hear, did it come through the TV last night, the reception, when he checked in to the game, oh. when McLaughlin checked in? I mean. No, you, I, I didn't I didn't have volume up. I had secondary screen action last night. You would so have I did thought, not hear volume. You would have thought that, a guy who had given his career to the Timberwolves checked in. It was a very, it was a very appreciative reception. You know what? And we'll get into statements here, and I, and I do have a J Mac one at some point. But that tells me there are some smart yes. Timberwolves fans to yeah. appreciate because he's not. It's not like he's scoring 15, 20 points off the bench. He, he there's a lot of games like last night where he'll just be out there for six minutes. He'll score two points, maybe dish a couple assists, but the team is like plus 15 in six minutes because he stirs the drink better than pretty much anyone else on the roster. I also think as far as a sports town goes, and and this is not a critique, it's just a fact, we embrace guys like that. Oh, yeah. Like, like scrappy, oh, yeah. undrafted, scrappy, right? He he would be Nick Punto like, right? Yes. As a twin. <laughs> like, yeah. he just works his ass off. He's good. He's not yeah. great. But I think that we have a we we have a very blue collar appreciation. Yeah. Okay. I I I do have a Jordan McLaughlin statement, but but we have to get to let's do statement number one here on this Monday. Mackie and Judd, uh, it's moving week. Old Macadac is coming back to Minneapolis to, I don't know, drink a bunch of Surleys with you guys and take in the atmosphere at Target Center when Jordan McLaughlin checks into games more often. So statement number one for you guys. The national media disrespect of the Minnesota Timberwolves has always been 
high and warranted, it has jumped the shark at this point. Okay, in the last week, we've had Ryan Rossillo on his podcast do a full. He did well. He also he did two things. He called uh, D'Angelo Russell the worst player in the NBA who plays regularly, <laughs> which. Again, this has not been a pro Delo show at all whatsoever, but he's also playing some of the best basketball of his life the last two or three months. So just kind of weird timing as the Wolves have, I think, the, like the second best record in the league since the beginning of January. And Delo is, he's had one clunker essentially in that stretch. He's shooting like 46% from three. It's just kind of a weird time to drop that take. It's almost like you haven't been watching any Timberwolves basketball over the last five or six weeks. Um. We also had Ryan Rossillo on his podcast do the Anthony Edwards is going to demand a trade soon, so start to figure out what your plans are because this thing's a train wreck around him take. We had uh, Worldwide Wob on Twitter, Rob Perez. He took a screenshot of this from uh, the ESPN. Was it the Warriors Clippers? Who are they playing? Warriors Nuggets from the other night. Games missed by stars this season. Kawhi Leonard, 25. Devin Booker, 25. Anthony Davis, 24. Zion Williams, they're trying to show you, look how many games stars are missing this year. Zion, 21. Paul George, 16. Steph, 15. Durant, Embiid, Lillard, 12, 12, 12. Carl uh, Anthony Towns has missed more than all of those guys, and he was an all-pro player last year. Wasn't he like second-team All-NBA or something so. last yeah. year? 13, whatever it was. 13, I think. Again, I'm not saying he belongs in the same sentence as like Steph Curry necessarily or Kawhi Leonard for his career, but to not even like make the list, he'd be atop the list, and he was an All-NBA player. And we've been highly critical of him, but that's absurd. Uh, we also had Bill Simmons put out his trade value rankings on the ringer, and uh, Rudy Gobert led the buyer's remorse category, even though the Timberwolves' defense, in large part because of Rudy Gobert, is one of the top like eight defenses in the in the NBA. And if you just take their net rating when he's on the court, the Wolves would have one of the two best defenses in the entire league when he's on the court. So I'm not saying that we need to celebrate the Timberwolves. They've done nothing really in 35 years of substance other than one trip to the Western Conference Finals, but... They've been one of the best teams in the NBA for the last five weeks. They're within striking distance of the three and the four seed in the Western Conference. So let's just, like, pump the brakes on clowning the Timberwolves and let this thing continue to play out for a couple months before we come with these scorching takes, national media. I think if you take um, each each one of those things as a separate entity, though, and break them down, it's simpler. Because I think the perception... League-wide, and even internally, on D'Lo with the Wolves is basically, yeah, no, thank you. Like, he he's played well. He definitely, off the ball, has, has uh, shot lights out at times. But I also think that there's this feeling about him of, you know what? He does a lot of things for himself. And he is, like, I think he's built up enough ill will that that one makes more sense. The ant thing, but I but to think say is, that he's the worst player that I know, plays but regular, that's that's that is filled with Timberwolves hatred and vitriol. Well, that goes filled, beyond like a D-Lo take. It's the perfect storm, though. It's Timberwolves hatred and vitriol combined with D-Lo. So like, it's the <laughs> perfect fair. storm. It's the perfect but it's, storm. But it's not accurate. It's but hyperbolic what, and it's and it's false. But what I was going to say is the second thing on ant, I think, is totally fictitious. Like ant is, as far as I know. 
Ant's happy here. He's not going to demand a trade. Watch him play. Like, Why are we even like talking yes, about this? Exactly right. Now, now, Cat. <laughs> He's going to sign a mess of max now, contract. Like, well, it's ridiculous. And Cat, I got because at, at the time before his max contract came. You know, Cat would look miserable, and he would pout, and he's pouting Cat, and 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 then you're like, okay, I think he might want out. Like, yeah. what has Ant done? What has Ant done in his time here up through last night to ever lead you to believe he is going to demand a trade? No, and we always Nothing. this is we always were Nothing. guilty of this. Minnesotans were always kind of like, right. oh, like every Gopher coach comes along. Oh my God, we got Tubby no. Smith, but he's just going to leave us in a year. Ben Johnson don't want out. Yeah. Well, he might actually. You don't be concerned about it. He might get out, but he doesn't want out. <laughs> you know, but we no, so I'm... it's playing into our insecurities as flyover territory that our star right. players and coaches might want to leave us someday. And it only usually happens. Like Kevin Garnett had to be begged to be traded. He didn't want out. Yes. He wanted to stick it through while they ran like Ricky Davis in his sidekick. And then Glenn so, ripped him. Yeah. I'm just saying, okay, I'm I don't I understand why the Wolves are a laughing stock and right. they have absolutely earned that pedigree if you will right across the last 20 years for sure but it's almost like people have they got off to such a bad start right they were 16 and 21 after the loss to the pistons on new year's eve and they had the big come to jesus meeting and it really at that point it felt like ooh, chris finch is maybe one more loss away from getting fired but we weren't even halfway through the season so people saw the trade and then people saw the first 35 games go awry and that's just, okay, that's the end now. We can just put a bow on the Timberwolves. Now we have our Timberwolves takes. But some interesting things are emerging here, including they're fighting for the three and the four seed in the Western Conference. They just beat the Warriors on Friday night. You know, they beat the Nuggets this season. They beat the Grizzlies this season. They're going to play the Nuggets. They, I guess they beat the Nuggets last night. I meant when they beat the Nuggets with a full allotment like a month ago, not last night's Nuggets. And they'll right. get another shot here this week. But so. on... The last thing that you pointed out with the list on on games missed and cat, that's an intriguing one because that that is yes, it's Timberwolves criticism, but it also goes to show you how off the radar cat gets, and that's a cat problem too. Like think like think about that thinking because this is a league where players matter. I don't know that teams do. Like if you're on the Celtics, that definitely helps. Lakers that that helps, but. You know, the majority of players, it's like you don't think the Memphis Grizzlies, Ja Morant. You think Ja Morant, and he happens to play for the Grizzlies. So think about how off the radar Cat becomes. Like, and, and, and that's the problem. That's been my complaint with Cat at times. So I, I, find, I find each of those to be interesting statements, not just about the Wolves, but about players. Um, and... When if you like these are smart people in the truck that put together these lists of, you know, let's come up with a list of top players and you don't even think a cat. Like, what does that say? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see him because he's going to be back at some point to see how he kind of fits back into the mix here. All right. Judd? I'd like to jump in with a hot statement here, too, off of your point. Trade deadline comes up this week, correct? NBA three trade. days. Deadline arrives in three days. My statement is this. The Timberwolves should move D'Lo now. Wow. I would move him now, and here's why. Were you sitting on that? 
before the show started, Declan no. said, "No, when you does anyone have a really it. hot wolf no. take that we can no. lead the episode with?" And you're like, "I wasn't thinking yeah, about load management. management. Uh, I wasn't. Well, the load management thing is a whole different. That's <laughs> that's another thing. But anyway, you buried no. the lead on us as you were. No, as you. No, no, no. You helped me free my mind up. My consciousness. Okay. Statements is great because sometimes Just I low. hear things and the, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? That's a good point." And I was I wasn't really it's like thinking... the triangle offense, like exactly. Phil Jackson. Just it's exactly all just right. Rhythmic. One thing yeah. I one one thing to peel back the curtain just briefly that I pride myself on is this show has a great flow. And like like we'll be just be t- talking about things, and like we'll start a show, and I'm like, is this gonna like lead to a conversation? Inevitably, it does, which I love about this show. Yeah. So as you talked about that, and D'Lo, and just just I think I went to. An, I am a loser. Okay, I get that. I, I think I went to five of the six games on the, the homestand that was completed last night. Just in talk in talking to people about D'Angelo Russell, because Phil, you're right. Like his statistics, off the ball shooting has been great of late. But you know what? He's a free agent. He ain't coming back. And I would term him what I feel like he is a statistical player. So like his stats are fine. I would term him to be what I consider to be a losing personality player, which is where are you going with him? And he's a free agent. So my answer is not very far. Mm -hmm. He's playing well enough, in my opinion, to find a team that would at least send you some draft capital. My God, you need it back. Was Kevin Durant one out of uh, Brooklyn? Exact. So, Katie, so, but, Katie. but, but, if I can, but I mean, I will take back a player if I can get a contract also short term. So I don't want to be saddled with this. Okay, I'd be saddled with Katie's contract. How many years but are left on Tim Conley? Can you imagine him being traded <laughs> here? No He'd never report. He would. What else report. would you have to give up to the Nets? Probably okay. you'd have to. Like, I love this contract. Oh you God. can't really trade first round picks until the draft because you you have to have one in back to back years. That's a separate episode. We'll figure out how to bring KD yes. into this mix. In fact, I think we should ha- hang our, our hat on that for Reckless Speculation Thursday because that would okay. be a great Reckless Speculation episode. But anyway, Tim Conley, we know for a fact, is not in love with D'Lo. I would trade him. I would trade him and get back what I possibly could. And I honestly don't think as a team you'd be making your team that much worse. So you'd have to – and maybe some, maybe there's been some, because um, there's some great Wolves bloggers out there. Maybe they've done some legwork on if you were to to make this trade. And I, and I just to take a step back here, there's probably a lot of people that are watching and listening to this being like, what? He's been playing the best basketball of his life the last two months. Why would you trade him when you're fighting for the top half of the Western Conference playoff bracket? Well, from an asset management standpoint, Kyle Tige and I went over this on Flagrant Howls, our twice-a-week Wolves podcast you can find on the Score North YouTube channel, Flagrant Howls podcast feed, Mackie and Judd. If you look down the road, let's see here, 2023 He's got a notebook out. He's got yeah, a notebook out. <laughs> yes. So I did some, uh, some hand math here. So if, if you start to look at what's your cap situation with these two seven-footers under contract, Anthony Edwards is going to be up for a, a post-rookie contract max for him. Jade McDaniels is going to make a lot more money because he's kind of on the same timeline as Anthony Edwards, right? So in two years from now, so this is 2023-24. Uh, so this will be 
The salary cap is projected to be $140 million. So keep that number in your head, $140 million. That's the salary cap. It's a soft cap. Luxury tax, one seventy. All right? Gobert, $44 million. This is in two years. Cat, $50 million. Ant projected first year of that max contract, $35 million. And uh, I put Jaden McDaniels at $20 million, but then Dane Moore, who I would trust with this salary cap stuff, 100 times more than you should trust me. Uh, Dane and uh, and Kyle had a conversation that they think it's more like a four-year $100 million contract for Jaden McDaniels, who has become one of the best perimeter defenders and wing defenders in the NBA. So I have him, I have him at 20. Maybe it's 25, but... That's a hundred. If you keep him at twenty, that's a hundred forty-nine million dollars tied up in those four players two years from now. So you're nine million dollars over the salary cap. You're still twenty million under the luxury tax, but you have to fill out like nine more roster spots, right? right. So that doesn't count Nas Reed, who's set to become a free agent. Delo, who's set to become a free agent. Are you going to sign Delo to an extension? Okay, well, that's going to cost you at least $25, 30000000 million a year. That that bumps you up well over the luxury tax line without any other players on your team. So you almost can't, if you want to keep Ant and you want to keep Jaden, unless you plan on trading Cat or Gobert this summer, which maybe they do, we don't know, you have to trade D'Lo or he might walk for nothing unless you think you can facilitate a sign-and-trade of some kind. Maybe he needs you to facilitate a sign-and-trade because the teams that he wants to go to don't have cap space. So there's just, like, imagine being Tim Connolly, and it's the bed that you made, sort of, but Carl Anthony Towns getting hurt has made it more murky. There are strategic asset management reasons to trade d for something before you let him walk for nothing. So we'll see. All right, Dex. All right, um, yeah, I, I'm going to kind of piggyback off the d trade chatter here and say... Would you do this? It's more of a question to you guys here, because I saw Bobby Marks put out some trade deadline primer. I believe this was late last week, uh, but he basically did trade deadline predictions, and he had the Wolves trading D'Angelo Russell to the Miami Heat, and we've kicked this idea around before, but it would be Russell and a 2028 second-round pick to Miami for Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Dedman. And Deadman's just like a, a, a slappy center that comes off the bench for Miami. He, he plays 10 to 12 minutes a game, so a little backcourt depth there. But but his thing with Lowry is, even though he is up there in age, injuries have deteriorated his play, do you trust Kyle Lowry more in the no. playoffs than you do with D'Angelo Russell? And if you're going to lose I, that uh, salary, and you're going to pay one of those two $29 million, I, I wouldn't be completely in on this trade. Like I don't think it, like all of a sudden I look at this and say, oh, here we go. This is exactly what the Wolves need. This is the last piece here. But it is an intriguing piece because I don't know what else you can really get for D'Angelo Russell, too. I don't like this. This Doogie keeps bringing this up, too. Like, a lot of people are just connecting dots here that, oh, the D'Lo could go to Miami and then Kyle Lowry could go back to Minnesota. Well, Lowry has $29 million on the books for next year, too. So you would get, yeah. and he's just, he's declining. So Kyle Lowry used to be one of the best guards in the NBA. He's 36 years old. He's shooting 39% from the field. He's shooting close to an all-time low three-point percentage, 33% from three. And I just don't know that you'd, like, if it was just a swap of expiring contracts or something, I could maybe be talked into it, but I don't, I'd rather just ride Delo's contract out. The thing, though, with Delo's contract is you can't just, 
let it come off the books and gain thirty million in cap space because yeah. you're already over the cap. So that's part of the issue here. Um, I guess somebody smarter than me would have to tell me: Is there a basketball reason to swap D'Lo for Kyle, a thirty-six-year-old Kyle Lowry? I just this seems like heat wishful thinking to me. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I'll though. tell you what. Regardless of who their starting point guard is, I can tell you that their backup point guard, who came back after a thirty-game absence last night, here's my statement. I can't think of a player in Timberwolves history that makes more of an impact while seemingly doing less in a box score. So Jordan Jordan McLaughlin, for his career, and I'll actually let's just his career numbers are pretty much the same as this season. So we'll just go this season so far. He averages four points a game. He dishes three and a half assists. He can't shoot, and he's not very tall. He's just he wasn't drafted. Just kind of a, he was an Iowa Wolf for a little while. You think, okay, you look at the guy's box score, he'll go and get you like three or four points and a couple assists. This season, when Jordan McLaughlin is on the court versus off the court, per 100 possessions, the Timberwolves are 17 points better. 17 points better. I believe that's the best gap by a margin of any player on the roster when he is on the court versus off the court. Not because he's splashing threes or getting to the rack or, you know, going through scoring bursts. He just puts guys in situations to get theirs, like Jalen Noel, Anthony Edwards. And I'm glad that the Wolves fans see it and appreciate it because for whatever reason, he is just incredible at opening things up offensively, being where he's supposed to be, and stirring the drink the way it's supposed to be stirred. He's incredibly smart. And the I think the important thing, too, is, in a league where a lot of players care about their number one concern, getting theirs, he doesn't. He's just a really smart player who knows how to facilitate. He knows how to make plays. He knows where to be, but he's never really concerned about himself. And, like, you look at the majority of guys, they are. And I get it. That's how you get paid. And and this all comes back to the fact that this is a league that recognizes players more than teams. But I think Jordan's just a really savvy, smart, future coach type of guy um, who, if, if you're Chris Finch, you probably absolutely love because he's doing what you need, not what he needs. Yeah. He, by the way, too, makes $2.1 million this year, and he's under contract next year for $2.3 million. So that's about as low of a salary as you can have in the in the National Basketball Association. So, and they need guys like that. They need like cheap team control players that yes. they can kind of fill out the roster while they're top-heavy and eventually even more top-heavy with Anthony Edwards. So, yeah. All right. Any other right. Uh, Wolves fodder here, Judd? Yeah, yeah. Here's my statement. That was a load of crap. <laughs> so I, I, didn't did pay, I didn't pay to go to last night's game. I sat on press row. All I pay for is parking. So you like, pay for I that. Get... I saw the media meal looked pretty good. That's yeah. the menu last 20 night. bucks. I'm not 20 bucks now? They charge 20 bucks starting a year ago. They charge 20 bucks for their meal. I don't ever I feel like care. it was like $9 when old Macadac left. The, the Wild's 13, and I I mean, I thought that was high, but that's a bargain. The yeah. Timberwolves, no. No, it looks fine. I stay home I, and eat my own food, and then I go. Anyway, I go last night, and I sit down to watch the Nuggets coming off a win against the Hawks on Saturday. I want to see the number one team in the Western Conference go against the Wolves, who have been improving. And, and you know, this was going to be a good test. And a six-game homestand with a good test. 
Of course, dumb me didn't think about the fact that the, that uh, Denver had played, as I said, the night before. And so Denver, on the back end of a back-to-back, sits Contavious Caldwell-Polk, Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and Jamal Murray. If those guys sound important, they're four of the five starters. The only guy that was forced to play was Michael Porter Jr., yeah. He's Bone, the only Bones Highland can't can't get on the Bones court. Bones Highland didn't get off the off. bench. They, they they sat him as well, and that was Doogie's guy. So I'm I'm there like yeah. literally as the Bones Highland scout because Doog keeps saying Tim Conley loves him. I didn't see him. The Nuggets elect to go completely non-competitive, and all I could think about was there was some poor guy uh, sitting down basically in front of me, courtside seats, right? So this guy, I'm guessing he paid, but some somebody paid. This guy is in a Nikola Jokic jersey, okay? So he's courtside, clearly looking forward to seeing the Joker play. And instead, he sees these G League schleps. God bless them. I'm sure their parents love them, and that's awesome. But instead, he sees these guys playing. The Timberwolves win, and I know Wolves fans are pleased, and that's great. But I guess I got a question. Like, what's the point? What's the point? Let's either lessen the games played. Like, if this is going to be, if you're like back to backs, we are not playing guys. So teams have basically decided we're not gonna we're not gonna play stars on back to backs very often. Yeah. Which is even more reason why Anthony Edwards should be an all star. Yeah. Because he yeah. doesn't miss games and he's putting up these numbers. He's he might get in with the Steph Curry injury here too, but huge praise to him though. It has become old school to just play in games now. Apparently, yes. Yes. But, you know, I mean, what did we, I I guess here's my question from a non-bitching fan point of view. Here's my question. What did we even learn last night? That the Timberwolves can stomp out a team that is essentially, I mean, to use a baseball. Actually, yes. Quite frankly, that hasn't happened happened all this season. Well, well, right. No, they lose. (laughs) They ordinarily lose because I gave this some thought. They They ordinarily lose to NBA teams that aren't considered that that good. The Nuggets did not put an NBA team on the floor. That was a lot of like G League backup. The Wolves needed that actually. The Wolves have the Wolves have You know who didn't? The fans and me. I yeah, but it was, I still, it was still fun to watch the Wolves run around and yeah, beat somebody uh, up. Some no, you're not that. I understand I, your yo you, I, you, I agree with your premise. Like the NBA sustainably has to have stars playing in games and yeah generate ticket revenue and and like when they sit for these nationally televised games i want games, my players are, tested i, I want my tested this season like i want my players what, tested at every opportunity they're gonna play the same nuggets team with all those players tomorrow night so you'll get to see it I'm, it's not about being tested i agree with your first point which is the guy that bought a ticket wait, so you don't want so you don't care if your team so you're playing the best team in the western conference on back-to-back and you get a minor league team Judd, they've already beat the best version of the Nuggets once, and they're going to play them again I want to see them play them every time. I, I want to see them play They're They're making up injuries that don't exist for guys to not play. I'm not going to die on this hill because I agree with your general premise that the NBA has a load management problem. It's splitting hairs for us to argue about whether they well, needed the test last night or their season is meaningless. Five, it's, no, I didn't say it's meaningless. I'm saying four or five starters is ridiculous. A couple of guys, maybe. Four of five starters didn't play. Well, what's funny is, so the Warriors had the same sort of conundrum where they had a back-to-back Minnesota and then and then Denver last week, and they decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna pick one of these games 
to, win. to go full throttle to win, and we're going to sit. And they decided we're going to play our starters against the Wolves because that's the low-hanging fruit. And the Wolves slapped them upside the head and beat them. And then they had to sacrifice. <laughs> they lost back-to-back games because load management, right? This is a walking advertisement to reduce the amount of regular season games. That's what this is, which yeah, I would we, love. Can we just do 70? I don't, we don't need back-to-backs. Can we just do? No, you don't. Just every other night. Sometimes you get a couple nights off, but you basically play every other night for six months or something. Yes, let's get an all-star that. breaks. They'll never do it between. because of greed, but yes, this is, to me, yeah, 70 Awesome. But I think I think yeah they'd have to do the, the like the ticket math. But if the stars are only going to play sixty five or seventy games anyways, could you go to the players' association? Look, what if we just made the season seventy games? Would you guys play? No back to backs, yeah. seventy game season. No back to backs. Would you guys play? And unfortunately, there there's going to be teams that still figure, well, it's a five game road trip, and even though we're not <laughs> playing back to backs, we want the rest advantage by sitting our guys into those games. I think there's always going to be a load management situation when you're playing over the course of six months. But anyhow, um, speaking of load management, why don't you bring a load of people to Park Tavern? A load of people. How creative can you get with your group gatherings at Park Tavern? That's the question for the audience. Judge. And by by a load of people, as you you see the bowling there that, that takes place at the official sports bar, sports dad park tavern in St. Louis park. We're not talking 10 or 15. That's a small, cute little group. We're talking 40, 50 people. We're talking parties, anniversaries, birthdays. And it's this simple. All you, you have to do is contact them. They will do all of the work. Uh, Parktavern.net 952-929-6810. Plus sports dad plans to be there on Sunday for the big game. So come by and say hi. I'm sure I will be sipping on some Surleys, enjoying football. Uh, two bars there. I will be in the front bar. Uh, Park Tavern, St. Louis Park is the place for lots of fun. Good, great food, great drink, good sports, and group gathering. I mean, you can say you can say that you'll be there for the for the bowl, the bowl. I can the say the thing. bowl. The I bowl. just find it hilarious. The bowl. The bowl. I just love the big game. I think that's hilarious. I saw what I was watching around the horn late last week. And I can't remember which panelist, but one of the, whoever won took their 30 seconds of FaceTime at the end and said, the Super Bowl is a dumb name. It's always been a dumb name. The big game would be a better name for the actual Super really? Bowl. They should change it to the big game. You know where game. it came from? The, the backstory was, was um, the late Lamar Hunt who owned the Chiefs, and, and his kid still does. But, um, oh, Super Bowl. Yeah, his kid was playing with a Super Bowl, and they were trying to think of names for the NFL-AFL clash, and he saw the Super Bowl, and he thought, that's a good idea. Let's call it the Super Bowl. And that's where it came that's from. Amazing. It's a dumb it's name. That's stuck. an interesting – that's a good hot take. I'm not sure I, – I don't really agree with it, but it's a great hot mm-hmm. take. I think it caught Tony Reale off guard. He was like, whoa, where is this coming from? <laughs> He planted the seed early in the show by, he said something like, just in passing, he's like, by the way, it's a dumb name. And then they're all like, what? What do you mean? Who was it? Do you recall? Uh, I, I think it was uh, Pablo Torre, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, Pablo's good. <laughs> just unleashing the takes. Uh, okay. Statements Monday, continuing here. Let's move from the hardwood over to the hard sheet of ice, oh, Declan. I like it. Why don't you get us started here? <laughs> the other winter team. I like it. Let's devote some attention to our uh, winter sports teams that are above 500 and fighting for playoff positioning right now. 
All right. My first statement uh, regarding the Minnesota Wild is I need more. I need to see more. And I'm actually not necessarily just talking about the team, who has been up and down, obviously, a little bit here. There's been peaks where the Wild have played really well, and they've been peaks where they've been uh, pretty ineffective. I need more from a top-line center. So Sam Steele, Judd knows all about this here, so Sam Steele uh, was plugged Wonderful in here. Wonderful football commentator on ESPN. Yes. Also, yes, uh, she does a very good job. I heard she even doesn't even go by Sam Steele anymore. Uh, wow. Anyway, so Steele was plugged in here from the Ducks, a former first-round pick, um, comes to the Wild, has a nice little cup of coffee, gets placed on the top line after Ryan Hartman's been was injured, and he kind of you know reaped the benefits of playing with guys like Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. But to be honest, I think the uh, the clock has struck midnight on the Cinderella slipper with Sam Steele. Over the last 14 games, your top line center, top line center, who's playing with two very elite playmakers and Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello, just two goals. Just five assists to go along with that. Now, they've always kind of figured out guys to put there. They did that with Ryan Hartman last year. Now, to their credit, it worked with Hartman. He scored 30 goals last season, but again, kind of a flash in the pan. I think that line deserves a hell of a lot more. You got the trade deadline coming up here in a month, and if you don't even want to go that route, you can go internally and look down at Marco Rossi, who's playing very well now in Iowa, and he's playing very comfortably. I don't think this team can be taken seriously with Sam Steele centering your top line when you begin the playoffs. The Wild are in position to make it. I believe they have a 75% chance to make the postseason as of today, according to Money Puck. So odds are they're probably going to be one of those eight teams come playoff time. But Sam Steele, I can't I can't take a team seriously with basically a slappy between the middle of Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. I need more. Okay. Phil? Whisperer? The Whisperer? He, I think he's moving back. Dark over the last four or five days. I heard he's packing. Yeah. I heard he's going to meet you back here. Uh, well, the whis- uh, the whisper actually he did float an idea for a statement, and so he doesn't wow. he doesn't want to be too aggressive because he did put his career on the line with one of his postseason takes uh, that went awry. But he did like he what career he likes to write these handwritten notes. And mail them to me from undisclosed locations. So if I could here, I'm just gonna okay. take a page. Uh, the whisper in a bottle. The handwritten. It washed up on yeah. shore. And washed yeah. up on shore in the Pacific. Uh, and he is here to bring some optimism. He believes that Erickson Eck is playing the best hockey of his career to this point. Erickson Eck, over the last two months. 27 games since the beginning of December is essentially averaging a point per game. He's like an 80-point player if you take his performance from the beginning of December. And a guy that we kind of wondered for a number of years, okay, is he a, is he going to score goals at all? Like, What's his deal? Mm-hmm. Um, saw a jump last year. If you were to take the last two months, extrapolate to a full season, he would be a 35-goal scorer. Erickson Eck has become... A player that can put the biscuit in the basket, boys. Thank you to the Hockey Whisperer for, uh, I don't know how he's watching these games, if he's got internet with like NHL or ESPN Plus Plus. or whatever. No no blackouts wherever he is probably, so yeah, you can probably get those games. He probably goes to a bar in Jamaica. Yeah. Says turn on the wild game. Yeah. Are we to believe that Eric Sinek has reached a new level as as an offensive producer 
going forward here. Maya Mackey seems to believe so. Outside oh, Maya Mackey's a huge fan. Right She's a yeah. huge fan. You, yeah. And and guess what? She wants her Nutrisource right now, damn it. Um, part of what part of his production, I believe, is on the power play as well. So here's an interesting question off off of that that I think um, also goes back to what Dex is saying about Sam Steele. You know, Dean is loath to mix things up. He'll do it sometimes, but line combination-wise, when you need a goal now, third period, should you consider a move such as putting Eck with, with the first line, Dex? Like, that, that's the other question. Because, like, Sam Steele plays for two periods. He plays that role okay. He's going to take care of his defensive responsibilities. He's not going to submarine your line, but he's also not going to, like, elevate them but if you're in a if you're down by two goals to phil's point dex do you say okay sam Steele's not going to help us enough now i know we love our i know i know we love the grief line and it's a really cute name but do we put erickson eck up on that line to try and get you know potentially more offensive production i think that's the question and i would like to see something like that so also Dating back to last season, Joel Eriksson Ek has only spent 185 minutes on the ice with Kirill Kaprizov five on five. He has spent 1,300 minutes away from him, so they do not share the ice together. They rarely ever share the ice together. Small sample size. They've allowed five goals, or excuse me, they've scored five and allowed ten, so they have a negative five. If you want to go plus minus, and their limited sample size together. But I think there is probably a case that he deserves more of a promotion. He was a guy who was a grinder and is going to do a lot of those dirty things. He honestly does a lot of things that Miko Koivu did at his peak when he was on the ice, too. Um, but at this point, I'm, tr- I'm willing to try someone else here. Yeah, Sam Steele's a placeholder. He's fine. He's not going to shipwreck things. But I think that line deserves better. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset here if the hockey whisper is correct, that you give a promotion to someone like Joel Erickson Eck there. Wow. Yeah, is he, is he becoming... Because I feel like it's been a theme for, it, well, at least five years, maybe even longer on this show and Judd's Hockey Show. Like, They need a top-line center if they want to be more than just a one-and-done playoff team at some point. Right. But there's no rule there, There's no rule that, that your line combinations to start the game stay put. So, like, third period, again, you're down by a goal. You're down by two. It, the best – now, I'm not comparing Eck to these players, but guess what? When the Oilers need a goal, if Drysaddle and McDavid aren't together, they get put together yep. in their heyday. Guess what? If Taze and Kane weren't on the same line in the third period, they'd be like, screw it. We're going to put them. So to both of your points, Sam Steele is a guy who is going to do his job, but he's not capable of doing much more. Erickson Eck is a guy who can score. So, so that's where Dean needs to loosen up the reins a bit. Dean is, I think a lot of coaches now get too in love with, with juggling lines at times. So I'm not an advocate of mix things up constantly, but Dean has gone the other way, and he doesn't do it. It feels like he doesn't want to, and it's like, no, dude, it's okay, especially when Sam, like you don't owe Sam Steele. Well, he's played well. I owe, No, you don't. He can be demoted on a line. You're not, you're not you know, sending him down to Iowa. So I like what both of you are saying, and I agree completely with it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Or who's up? Is it Judd? Yeah. It's me. It's okay. me. Okay. Um, good for you, Kirill, is my statement. So Kirill Kaprizov, 
and this is going to sound stupid, and it is. He got pushback because at the All-Star game, one, he skipped out on, on his skill competition. He, like, got out of it and had Fiala do the fastest skater. And then on Saturday, in those just silly games that they play three-on-three, he, like, basically, I think he turned the puck over. He was a minus two. And he looked like, aside from babysitting Ovechkin's kid on the ice on Friday, he was having no fun. And there was, like, pushback of, like, what's going on with that? Why, what? You know what? Number one, his buddies were all in, like, Cabo. Number two, that all-star weekend is the silliest thing. Like, that three-on-three game, three-on-three OT is good because it's competitive. This is not competitive. This is, in fact, if I was a goalie, I wouldn't ever go. I'd be like, I'm not going. You can I'm name not gonna me. Get li- I'm not going to get I'm not lit gonna, up Exactly. Here. <laughs> it's and, embarrassing. It is embarrassing a, for goalies. <laughs> and you're a sacrificial lamb because no one helps you. But yeah. Kirill Kaprizov, here's what I love. When it's time to be competitive, I would argue there is nobody in the league probably more competitive. He gets pissed. He he is a competitor. He will he he does not back down from guys. Okay, but you know what? The kid is smart enough to know a sham when he's put into a sham. And the NHL All Star Game is a sham. So good for him and for anyone out there who's like, "What was he doing? No, well, he wasn't having fun." No. He wants to be on vacation. I don't blame him. So good for you, Kirill. I loved the fact that you saw that thing for being the fraud it completely is. Actually, I have a quick uh, All-Star weekend take here. So I watched way more of the NFL Pro Bowl festivities than I have in 20 years. Really? I actually love, and I, I didn't, I caught some of the NHL stuff. Um, Not enough to, like, say for sure that I I like the format going forward, but I like that these leagues are tinkering with, with what have been broken all-star games and Pro Bowls. So to turn the Pro Bowl game into the Pro Bowl games was pretty fun. I don't know if you guys caught any of this, but they literally had like a long drive golf competition. They had a kick-tack-toe where they, they grabbed like DePaula uh, was the long snapper for the NFC, and they grab a kicker, a punter, and a long snapper, and they have a huge tic-tac-toe board like an led board <laughs> okay and so the afc will play the nfc so the long snapper has to snap the ball back and hit one of the <laughs> the you know whatever the sections on the tic-tac-toe board and then you got justin tucker lining up from 45 yards to kick one into one of the sections just goofy stuff random stuff yep. they had uh they had seven on seven games where Kirk cousins was lighting it up finding use check his future teammate in san francisco so i just I don't know. I don't need to see these. The baseball game, I think, is the one that can be closest to replicating an actual game. The NBA is like a race to 190 points. Trying fun things and playing fun games is is better to me. And I would I found myself more hooked actually watching some of the Pro Bowl games <laughs> more than I would have ordinarily. Maybe it's because we're sitting in an empty house and there's nothing to do. But uh, yeah. Dex, I didn't. I, I didn't watch a lot I of it. Um, it. I was hoping my guy Derek Carr was going to be slinging some drives. He did not take part in that. I did see Zadarius Smith, Happy Gilmore in it uh, with the longest drive contest on Wednesday. I thought that was that was hilarious. And hitting it, he had it pretty good. Yeah, he had it yeah. pretty good. I like that. I love pro athletes. Uh, I love though that Judd basically loved that Kirill did this because I think this is like something where Judd would write Kirill like a handwritten thank you note, just being like thank you, Kirill. 
for taking off a meaningless competition and where you could have hurt yourself or done something dumb just to prove that you're that you're the fastest skater and you pull a hamstring and then Judd would be absolutely apoplectic that that could have happened so I wow. love that Judd like he's gonna I wouldn't be surprised at all a handwritten thank you note to Kirill Kaprizov and for not taking part in the all-star game I find it hilarious Kirill yes you know what too if you watched um on Friday night in the skills competition Kale McCarr in the fastest skater competition took a nasty fall and I'm th- I'm thinking to myself <laughs> This stupid competition. This guy is a great player, right? He should be resting. But um, I. But to Phil's point, I appreciate the fact that after calling for the end of the actual Pro Bowl game for about five years, that they just came up with a different thing. Yeah. And, and like the three on three is still this this attempt at you know it's still competitive, and they actually play, of course, in OT that format. What I like is football was like, you know what? We're done. Like, we're just going to come up with games. I appreciate that, that it might be silly and stupid, but at least it's a different thought process than we're going to try and replicate our game. I mean, flag football, that type of thing. I like it. I did see Miles Garrett, I believe it was in the dodgeball portion of the Pro Bowl games, dislocated a toe. So there was at least one fairly serious injury that took place. So just be a little careful there. That would hurt like hell. Yeah. All right, my next statement. I'll say this. It's working. The Wilds goaltending rotation plan, that is, that it's working. Yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury, who is expected to be the number one guy here, rightfully so. Um, you knew he was up there in age. He's hockey royalty. He's 38, though. And he kind of thought, oh, can, can he Can he still do it? Can he still carry that load and start 60 games or so? Like, Is that what the Wilds' plan is here? Because Philip Gustafson, who knows? And after the first two games by both of those goalies, Judd was ready to also to sound the panic alarm of they have an insane goaltending problem here. Since then, though, this rotation is actually working very well, and Philip Gustafson is is exceeding a lot of those expectations. He's eleven and seven. He's made nineteen, uh, uh, eighteen starts, appeared in nineteen games. He has a goal saved above average, which is an advanced metric of kind of league average save percentage being zero. His his is plus nine, so he he is stopping about nine more pucks, nine more shots than the average goalie is. It's actually one of the better figures in the NHL. And then you have Marc-Andre Fleury still, who maybe has come down to earth, is no longer the Vesna guy he was two years ago when he won it with Vegas in his last trip. But you have two goalies here who are reliable and stable, and that's all you can ask for in the postseason. You're good, there's going to be times where you need one of those two to take over a game or take over a series for sure. But the Wild, in yeah. my opinion, do not have a goaltending question mark. This rotation is working very well. Is it fair to say I'm going to piggyback with my own statement here? Cam Talbot's been okay in Ottawa. He hasn't been a train wreck or anything. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yep. When you start chattering after the season's over on social media, you'll get your ass traded out of town by uh, Billy Guerin. Is it fair to say that the Wild is in a better position goaltending wise entering this year's playoffs if they started today than last year's playoffs? Because Gustafson is better than Talbot. Hmm. I think uh, he's better than Talbot, but what do I know? I'm not the hockey whisperer. I'm not Judd's hockey show. So I, I think the trade worked out far better than we expected. But I would guess – so the key to your question is this. Yes, assuming Flurry plays well. But it's always been that. Like it, it was – they're going to try to ride him in the, the playoffs as much as possible. Um, now, unfortunately, in Talbot's case – he got in in what? Game six. So it was so late that it was basically done. But 
if Flurry can continue to keep up the type of play that we have seen throughout the throughout much of this year since his rough start, then the answer to your question is yes. But this all rides on Flower. It really does. It really does. Like if Gustafson has to save the day completely, you're probably screwed. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair characterization. But yeah. Yes. I mean the Talbot Talbot thing was I mean I mean I do appreciate the fact that Garen addressed that quickly and said, okay, this is not like I didn't build this team with the with the locker room culture to have a backup goalie who's pissed off at us. Yeah. yeah, and I also think organizationally the Wilds goaltending plans in, in an amazing spot here. So you're not overpaying for Flurry. Gustafson's popped up here. You can still kind of control him. And then Jesper Walstead has been the best goaltender in the AHL, who was your first round pick of two years ago. That's probably going to be your goaltender of the future for years to come. So it's a very tricky position to figure out in hockey. If you don't have goaltending, it can just absolutely shipwreck you. The Wild are actually very well positioned here to be basically have their problems solved in net for a, for a long time. So you're saying if you're floating around on underdog fantasy that you might want to you know, take a look at the wild goaltending and act accordingly. That's, That's right. Yeah. Whether, you know, make okay. sure, you know, they'll set the lines for you. So make sure, you know, you're not taking an early, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury or Gustafson rotation. But once they got that guy in there, you can go to underdog fantasy and use promo code score. I had a nice little win on Friday with just a little bit of uh, hires on, on some bogeys during the PGA Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. Also, though. A fun announcement, Underdog Fantasy. They, they, they sent me an email of the weekend. Our guy Andrew sent me an email. Head Dex, uh, why don't you plug this for us here? So on Thursday, because it's Super Bowl week here, on Thursday, they're going to put out a special over-under prop on Jalen Hurts. They're going to put it at 0.5 total yards. They're basically gifting you the first leg of a parlay. This is going to launch on Thursday. Now, you can, you can add to this with other Chiefs and Eagles players, but basically they're gifting you the first leg on a Super Bowl Sunday for underdog fantasy on an over-under. I highly recommend taking the higher here on Jalen Hurts. And then you can use that as your nice little unless parlay. Unless you think he's going to get smoked unless, in the first play. Unless he gets injured, which could be. Then the NFL is indeed rigged, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, you can use yeah, promo code say? SCORE, S-K-O-R, first deposit up to 100 bucks, and you can make your uh, Super Bowl Sunday bet, make wild bets as well. Plenty of options on underdog fantasy. Go download the underdog fantasy app. I love all the memes that came out after the Arian Foster stuff. On yeah, it was great. Part of my take. You know, it's like Matt Ryan looking at the script of the second yep. half of the Super Bowl from, from a few yep. years ago. It's an, oh. yeah. it's an awesome. <laughs> that was great. That was hilariously funny. Oh, man. Uh, all right, any other uh, yeah. statements from you guys? I, I got w- one more from a story I saw. I think it came out Thursday, or I'm sorry, Friday or Saturday. But it's this. My statement is this. Just stop it already. So I think this was on Twitter, perhaps. Um, Taylor Luan of the Titans, the tackle, who's a good player, came out and said he thinks that number 12 in Tom Brady's honor should be retired across the league. Okay, What? He said that he thinks that number 12 should be taken out of rotation by the entire league. Stop this. All right. 42, Jackie Robinson, not only a great player, far more importantly, he is among the most important people in baseball history. He broke the color barrier, okay? Well, did we, in- we did this in the NHL, right? Didn't we retire yeah, well, Wayne Gretzky's I'll number league-wide? I'll get to this. Okay. So, But Jackie <laughs> Robinson, Jackie Robinson is synonymous not just with baseball, but our entire culture. Bill Russell, number six, also a very important figure, okay? Not just a great player. 
but a very important cultural figure that goes beyond championships. Those two talk to me all day about this, yeah. all right? Starting with Gretzky, though. Number one, what schlep is going to ask for 99? <laughs> so if I could get it still, right? I'd like 99. Uh, find someone. I'll, okay. Who's but my like point the Logan is, Paul or the yeah. Jake Paul Wayne, of the NHL? Wayne, Wayne, but, hockey kids, are you but kidding the me? But the team will deny it. But the fact is, Wayne Gretzky, phenomenal player, but that's what he was. He did nothing for the culture. Like, he did nothing for – he didn't break a barrier. He did nothing. Yeah. And the Brady thing is another another ridiculous – like, do you understand Bill Russell, Jackie Robinson, their impact on society, like, justifies these decisions alone? But to have this – well, he won. He was a great – he was the GOAT. I mean, the GOAT is this subjective, fun discussion, perhaps. By the way, there might be a better quarterback w- that we're watching right now exactly. in the NFL. But, but my point is this. I am actually the Gretzky thing. Ninety nine is so is such a u- unique uh, pair of digits that I don't agree with retiring it. But most people aren't going to ask for it. Uh, number twelve, you want to take number twelve out of? Just stop with this already. Understand that the people that we that that at least two of the people we have done this for have had more of an impact on not just the games themselves. But American history, in some cases, as far as sports go. It's a weird precedent when you're just looking at this player was dominant, and so no one can ever wear in the history of the league or the future of the league, right? Can you imagine if baseball did this? Like prematurely back in the, like 100 years ago. Oh, uh, Babe Ruth. What a career for Babe Ruth. Nobody Uh, can ever wear the number three ever again. Like you're explaining. All right. You're explaining to some, you know, 25-year-old all-star player, okay, so Babe Ruth. Yeah, I know. There's this guy like 100 years ago. His name was George. They called him Babe because he liked to eat Baby Ruths as a kid. He ate hot dogs between doubleheaders and uh, was a pretty horrible person off the field, but he was the first guy to hit a bunch of home runs, and so now you can't wear number three. (laughs) No, right. It's just, let's just celebrate. Yeah, Tom Brady had a great career. At this point, he's the greatest quarterback to ever live. That's probably going to change at some point in our lives, as it always does with sports, right? And league and league wide. So you're telling me that Tom Brady's number twelve should be taken out of circulation by a Vikings team that hasn't retired Moss's eighty four, which is a much, much more uh, legitimate debate. Actually, I think we should retire Tom Brady's number across all sports. No not one 12. can ever wear Just number stop. twelve. Baseball. You don't, you don't understand. You don't understand the significance of Jackie <laughs> Robinson. Or or Bill Russell, if you're telling me now, let's just start retiring numbers universally. I'm and offended. Hannes Wagner, I don't even know what number. I think he played before there were numbers. Yeah, he, but yeah. his number would have been seven. Therefore, no one can ever wear number seven ever again. Anyway, Did Hannes Wagner on. have a number? Come on. Let's see. Uh, he might not have. Did Ty Cobb? I think I'd, uh, Ty Cobb. 33. Hannes Wagner wore number 33. Did Ty Cobb have one? Let's see here. Ty Cobb reference. The Georgia page, Ty Cobb, one of the one of the nastiest players. Ty Cobb, I don't think had a number. What? So he played before there were numbers? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. What, what well, they had to have had numbers by the late 20s. Hold on. Uh, I'm looking. He played in an era before players had jersey... <laughs> 
numbers, which is why his name hangs on Comerical's oh. part. No one can ever wall. wear pinstripes ever again because no one, no one, uh, Yeah, the Georgia Peach. The Georgia Peach is stealing another base and spiking more players. Ty left Cobb and right. would Hall of stab the shortstop in every uh, every series. Great, great film. What, who, who played him? Tommy Lee Jones? I think Tommy Lee Jones played Did he? I, I've never seen it. It's called oh, yeah, Cobb, yeah. right? The movie's yeah. called Cobb. Yeah, you should watch it. You mm. enjoy it. Amazing. All right, well. That's a wrap on uh, Mackie and Judd here today. Goodbye. Tomorrow on Purple Daily, if you haven't experienced the uh, the draft Nick that is Thor Nystrom, you're in for a treat tomorrow. You guys did a post-Senior Bowl episode with him on Purple Daily last week, and we'll have a bunch more for him tomorrow on Purple Daily. So check that out. And if you could, please hit the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel and the like button. Help spread the word about this daily Minnesota sports entertainment and therapy. And also... For the Mackie and Judd podcast feed on Apple, a five-star rating and a positive review goes a long way as well. We'll see you guys tomorrow.